Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times and by David Priest, goalkeeper, coach and columnist. Well, it's that time of year again. The Panto is playing to packed houses at Old Trafford. And beyond the theatre of screams, it's award season. We look at the good, the bad and the ugly. Begging Jose's pardon, let's take our managers of the year in two sections. First, the top five. Who's the man, Johnny? Wow, well, I'm, I'm going to say someone that's not Pep Guardiola, even though that feels a bit, bit odd. Um, I think if, you got, if you're looking at 2018, you've got to say Jurgen Klopp for me. Um, if you remember, at the start of this year, Liverpool were still, you know, even they weren't struggling to be top four, but they were fourth. They were, they were nowhere near where, where they are now. Um, he started the, the year with that great win against City, halting their unbeaten run. Took Liverpool to a Champions League final with some really memorable victories again against City on the way. And I think what you're looking for managers to do is, is progress and show signs of, of continuing to learn and progress. And over the summer, the recruitment at Liverpool suggested that. A little shift of tactics has suggested all of that. And for them now to be sitting at the top of the league with a better, better start in the top flight than in any of those seasons where they won the, the title, all those 18 title wins, and to be in a group of two with Manchester City with, without spending City's money, I think it has to be Klopp. I think he's had a sensational year. and What Guardiola's done has been brilliant, but that, it's met my expectations. Klopp's exceeded my expectations. Mm. I suppose the man of the moment, though, is Pochettino. Mm. You know, he's obviously you know, not nailed on for the Manchester United job, but he's certainly you know, very well regarded there. Uh, and you've got someone there who's, who's actually managing in the modern idiom, probably without as much money as others, and actually developing talent on the training pitch and giving that talent a chance when it matters. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, uh, it, there'll always be the accusations that he hasn't won anything yet. Still a possibility this season, obviously. But I think that uh, him going to, to Manchester United, I don't know whether they'd be making the same mistake again where they, they haven't got a manager who's won something. You know, when they go back to... They'll keep harking back until something... Uh, sort of meets the expectations of Manchester United, they'll keep harking back to Sir Alex Ferguson. And they brought in Sir Alex Ferguson from, there might have been a provincial mm. club in, in Scotland, but mm. 
European well, giants. He, he, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, he came with a great track record of, of beating the best and Bayern Munich and Real Madrid and, uh, and, and with silverware from, uh, you know, stealing that from Glasgow. So it's, um, for me, he is the right fit and he's the right sort of manager that they, they want. But um, manager of the year, I, I, I don't think so quite yet. I think, uh, you know, I will say Pep Guardiola. Simply because he, he's kind of the last missing piece that they, they needed at the club for uh, to make them the the perennial sort of winners and uh, and well to get them where they want to be in in Europe um, and I think it's exactly the same as Klopp he he, he does develop he does uh, does uh, take his 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 philosophy and take it on another step I think Edison coming in the, the uh, in the club last season was a real good example of that that he wasn't frightened of you know. <laughs> of a player hitting the ball 60, 70 yards and making a pass mm. uh, where everything was directed short beforehand. So I think that uh, he's doing what and Klopp is doing what other managers haven't been doing and paid for with the jobs. Mm. I suppose City are very strategic in the way they work, aren't they? Yeah. With Guardiola, do you think uh, he, if he wins the Champions League in 2019, which is you know, their yeah. favour to do, that that is almost like the end of the job, and he might then move on, or or the, will there be developments? Is he a long term fit? He hasn't been so far in his career, but when I was talking to someone about this, um, who's a Liverpool fan, desperate for me to say, "Oh, he'll he'll, he'll be gone, gone at the end of the season," <laughs> I'm not sure if he will because. In his previous jobs, it's been about burning himself out. It's been about, you know, we, we know he's a very emotional um, kind of manager, a sort of high emotional pitch, as it were, type of guy. And you could see, you know, Barcelona was pure meaning and emotion in the battle against Real Madrid, and, and he was so in the thick of it, um, it, it did burn him out. And at Bayern Munich, very different conditions to what he has in England. He was never fully accepted by the hierarchy there, um, or rather the, the sort of, I guess, the... Bayern grandees, the, the the commentators outside the club, the media, the fans, even. So he's always sort of slightly battling against um, criticism, even though he was doing so well. I think at City he's got a carte blanche. He's, he's he's being acclaimed. He looks very comfortable. He's working with his pals in the hierarchy. He gets to sign who he wants. He's arguably created uh, for the first time his own team. You know, I know he developed players at Barca. He developed the team at Bayern, but this really is a team that he's shaped. It's a very young team. It could go on and on. Um, and I, I suspect he's, and none of us really get close to, to Pep, but I suspect he's a guy who has slightly different values to other managers and it's about his fulfilment, his personal fulfilment. And he just looks so fulfilled at the moment at City. So if he's enjoying it, I'd expect him to stay. And, and that could be for the next five, ten years. Mm -hmm. And all you know, the great managers have an eye for the successor in some ways, don't they? Are you looking at um, Arteta as a potential successor at City? I would have thought so. I mean, it's it, what's most important about Manchester City, really, that other clubs with the same sort of uh, the, the same financial backing and the and, and wealth they have, they have a real structure behind the scenes. You know, mm -hmm. you talk about the, the the players that come into the club. There's a there's a reason why there's. There's a real sort of uh, lack, well, lack of failure. There, there, you know, there's very few players that don't succeed and, and don't improve in Manchester City these days. Mm. And okay, you know, people say Gabriel Jesus hasn't really sort of hit the heights he was expected to, but I, th I wouldn't say he'd been a flop. So it was. Uh, so regardless of what happens with with Pep, yeah, I think the 
him coming to the club has has ensured that they will have future success beyond his time at the club. Yeah. Mm. The other two, uh, Sari and um, Emery, obviously, we know we've had four or five months to judge them. They seem to have made good initial impressions, haven't they? They have. I think you're talking about um, quick progress, quick culture changes, quick changes of playing style, which is you know incredibly difficult to affect at the level that they're doing it. And, and hats off to them completely. What, what, what we haven't seen yet is where it's going to go, how it's going to be sustained. Um, Chelsea have shown in, in moments that Sari Ball, as they call it, is, is sensationally good when it works. It can beat anybody. I, you know, the Manchester City game was a great example of that. That's a sign of their potential. But you know, he, this is a guy who hasn't won anything in his career. Um, so can he take that, that next step? And Chelsea's always been about winning and less about style and so on. Uh, but in some ways, I think what Emery's done at Arsenal has been more impressive just because they were at such a low base and I didn't expect them to be so competitive so soon. And they've still got such a poor defence, in my opinion. Um, and they've got players, I think, like Ossol and, and, and maybe even Ramsey that aren't his cup of tea. And he's sort of working not with a ready-made squad or a ready-made sort of blueprint, but he's, he's actually almost working against type and, and succeeding bringing young players in, and, and I think there's really good signs for the future there. But, you know, where is it going to go? That's, that's, he, he's now got to take the next step. Brilliant starts by both of them so far, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. You know, so you know, that, that is a very small and exclusive club, mm. the top five. Let's look outside that um, to some of the other, maybe more unsung managerial jobs being done. Um, you know, you can look at Neil Warnock bringing that Cardiff team up and creating the siege mentality, you know, and the, you know, the home the home games were in a fortress and all that sort of, you know, cliche nonsense we come mm-hmm. out with. Uh, I've I been really struck by uh, Yavi Garcia at Watford. There's a club which, with a revolving door, he's just been given a new longer-term contract. Yeah, and I, I wasn't sort of surprised when he first came in, but I think early in his, uh, his Watford's uh, managerial career, he came up against uh, Liverpool and I think it might be his first or second game and he went with three at the back and mm. absolutely destroyed them and I thought it was so naive, naive of him to do that and it kind of led me to think well you know mm. it wasn't going to last long for him but uh, like everything else at Watford it continues to surprise me mm. and uh, and you can see that the the words that are coming out from likes of Troy Deeney and you know people knowing that uh, telling people that it's not this basket case of a club. It's not sort of something that uh, managers should fear coming into and, and fear for their job. Uh, he's obviously settled in there now and the fact that he said he'd give him a new contract, it's, it, it says a lot because it's it's a club that does have a high turnover of managers. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's a fashion business management. Mm. We, I think we're all aware of that. Um, I suppose Sean Dyche is a case in point. Mm. Did unbelievably well to get... Burnley at seventh. Yeah. He now has to put up with, with people saying, oh, well, let's get Sam Allardyce in and get hmm. rid of this bloke. Um, yeah, because if, if we're thinking about 2018 as a whole year and not just the last three months in the Premier League, then you've got to remind yourself how unlikely and extraordinary Burnley being seventh actually is and was. If he's struggling this year, perhaps it's, it's not only a kind of hangover from that in terms of physical tiredness, mental tiredness, but... Perhaps he's been guilty of, of, or the club's been guilty because I don't think he's been backed in the transfer market of, of maybe just trying to stick with players that succeeded last year. And in hindsight, that's a, 
a mistake. They maybe just needed to refresh the approach a bit, refresh the squad a bit more. But Sean Dice has never been here before in his career. He's still a young manager learning. Um, I remember Moyes at Everton, he, he struggled for a while to, he'd have a great season of, of achievement and then fall back and then another season and then fall back. And it took him a while to perfect the trick of succeeding and doing well year after year, keeping people motivated and changing things just all the time a little bit with, with recruitment. So they haven't done that. That's the next thing Sean's got to do. But goodness me, I mean, three, three months, 18 games does not make him a failure. You know, he is still the guy that, that, that took Burnley to, to, well, pretty much where Man United are now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of his you know, key choices in the new year will be as a goalkeeper. You know, mm. Nick Pope's coming back. He played for the under-21s. Uh, sorry, under-23s this week. You've got Tim, Tom Heaton's been around and Joe Hart is in command of the shirt at the moment. You know, you're Sean Dyche. Who do you pick? Mm. I think he's had a difficult uh, decision to make, certainly with Joe Hart, because it's not like Joe Hart has been playing badly. You know, he's... Uh, but at the same time, I think even in the past couple of seasons, the keepers have still been exposed. They've still been exposed to a lot of uh, a lot of shots on target. They've had to work hard. They've probably had the most shots in the uh, in the division. So it's it's a, it's to me it's about what the goalkeeper brings to the rest of the side as well, and whether the the trust that they have in Nick Pope and Tom Heaton when they come into the side, knowing what they've they've done before and the relationship they've had with them before, I think that might give them a little bit more of a boost. And I think that certainly with Nick Pope, uh, he certainly deserves a, another chance at, at being number one. But he's changed a lot of the side and uh, and that's probably the only thing that's that's left to change. And sometimes as a manager, when all uh, other options are exhausted, that, that's the only thing left to do. Do you think it'd be bad for dressing in dynamics if Pope didn't come back? I'm just thinking there's a guy that did everything right for them, young player. You know, it'd be no fault of his if he didn't come back in. But. As, as long as he's coming back and he looks in, in the same shape as he was before in training, I think then there's no problem with that. I think Tom Heaton's got a big decision himself to make. Mm-hmm. I think that he, One of the three will go in January. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, th- I think the long-term option, obviously, will be uh, with Nick Pope and the, the financial outlay they've got on uh, Joe Hart. That's going to keep them both at the club. So I think uh, they see Tom going somewhere else. Mm. So just to wrap this up, one one name for outside the top five? Well, I think Eddie Howe's done a great job. I'm really impressed how he's developed Bournemouth. Um, but thinking about this, you know, we almost don't think of them as a small team at the moment. But Wolves, you've got to say that Nuno, I know he's had lots of money to spend. I know he's been given a really good hand to play. But he looks like a top manager he sounds like a top manager he, 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 he's got the assurance he sets his team up um, like a team that's an experienced at competing in the top half of the Premier League and you've got to remind yourself that they're a promoted side and it doesn't matter how much money you've got you've still got to implement those things within a group of players so I, I, I think he probably edges Eddie Howe for me mm. yeah. I'll go Neil Warnock uh, simply because even he wouldn't have been expecting to, to go up last season. And not only that, I, I don't think anybody expected them to get in the double figures, certainly not by this mm-hmm. stage anyway. And if they were going to do it, they're going to be do it by grinding out uh, draws. But was it four wins out of five at home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, doing well at OK, we've got the JT Memorial Award, <laughs> captain, leader, legend. Um, a couple of names come to mind, the most obvious being Virgil van Dijk at, yeah. at Liverpool. Yeah, I mean... It's hard to think of a signing in recent years that's had such a transformative effect on a on a team, um, and 
I know centre half is is maybe the easiest position to influence a team from in some ways, but he's he came into a basket case defence, and now it's it's historically the best defence Liverpool have had for you know thirty forty years, and he's got such calm and assurance. And when you break his game down, it's not like it's, it, it's not it's not sensational. It's just it's very very good. But I think what what makes him so special is what he exudes. It, it, it's the influence. It's, you see him taking the ball in the box when he goes up to join the attack, and he's got this velvety touch and takes it down like he's a an experienced striker. I mean, I, someone told me once that he, I think it was Eric Black actually said, you could play him at number ten because he's got that. Yeah, he said, he said he's got that in tra- You know, in training you could see he had that quality, and I think it's the example that sets. Your big centre half has that assurance, has that class. It's just spread throughout the whole team. So that is that is proper. Leadership, I guess, by example. Mm. And the, the other example would be at the other end of the pitch, someone like Harry Kane, and the consistency is mm. remarkable. Those are the two captains that you have, and ordinarily now you, you probably have that captain that leads by example. You don't have the sort of the, the shouting, the ball, the people dragging, dragging people through games. You, you, you just do it by consistently playing to, to a higher level. And I mean... I can't. I can't ever think of Harry Kane having a bad game no. per se, because he he still gives you something in a in, in a game. He still you know he still has, has a great work ethic. You know you you rarely see him sort of or, or don't notice him in games when a lot of players, a lot of very high profile players and especially goal scorers, you know you, they can go hiding sometimes. So it's and and not only that he leads by example off the pitch as well. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do you see him outside yeah. the back pages on or ever. Even even the, the Carabao Cup quarterfinal with Arsenal, you know, he's playing at the Emirates. It's a fixture that means so much to him personally because he was on Arsenal's books, obviously. Proud North London derby performer, all that sort of stuff. And he's on the bench and there's not the whiff of discontent. In fact, he comes on and sets up Deli Alley to score without any fuss. Sacrifices himself, does it for the team, and that, that's 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 what he mm. represents, isn't it? Mm. What about you? Know, you, you talked about Dave leadership off the pitch that comes in several forms and I, I, I think Raheem Sterling has actually showed a different type of leadership in, you know, in triggering a you know, very important debate and it's interesting also that the respect that seems to have engendered from within his own dressing room and you know, from his coach you know, Guardiola has come out and, and you know, really publicly praised him for, for what he's done is that a different type of leadership? Yeah, but I mean, it could have been so easy for him just to kind of just keep his keep his head down and just maybe think to himself, oh, I'm just going to have to work hard and, uh, and and get through it that way. But that's not going to solve any problems. And for him to, to come out and publicly do what he did, it's uh, it's you know it takes well, it takes uh, great courage, and uh, people are rightly showing a lot of admiration for him because, like I said, it's it, it should be could be and should be a watershed moment, really. Mm. Okay, let's go on to an unsung player of the year. I'll, I'll kick it off if I, if I may. Uh, Aaron Moy at, at Huddersfield, a bit like Harry Kane. I've never seen him have a bad game uh, in a team which can't score to save its life, but is this continual um, bundle of energy. And um, again, there's another form of leadership going on there. Mm. Um, I think he's been brilliant. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I like that shout because he's, he's also someone that, He's, he's, if you talk about the journey, he's, he's, he's done the journey with them, hasn't he? And he's been that at every every level for them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't quibble. I mean, 
I've got a bit of a funny one on, for, for this. I would say Christian Eriksen because obviously he gets acclaimed in that he's, he gets sung. He's a good player, people say that. But I think this is one of the, the best players we've seen in the Premier League era. Um, it's a guy that's never... I think he's once been in the Premier League team of the year, once in, in his six or seven seasons. He's, you know, he's the, the little bit of genius in that Spurs team. He consistently produces the moment to win them a big game. And he's taken, I think he's taken for granted. I don't think he's quoted among the De Bruyne's and the Hazards, but I, I think he is of that influence for his team and, and maybe maybe of that quality, if, if not if maybe slightly short, I don't know. But, but Spurs wouldn't trade him for any of those players. Uh, and I don't know why he is not spoken about as highly as Dele Alli, as highly as Harry Kane. I don't know why he's not seen as this is one of the very best this is one of the superstars of the league because he is for me in performances. Mm. You can almost call it the uh, the human son. Yeah, yeah, well, that's the other one, isn't it? Yeah. Because I mean, what what level do you get, uh, or how many mentions of being sort of um, uh, underrated, the most underrated player in the league before you actually, you're rated? actually rated? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think he's done it. It's so many times now that and, and rescued them, and yeah. when Harry Kane isn't playing, then he, he's you know he's put up front as a striker and still does a great job no matter where he's playing. So it's yeah, he'd be one for me. I think um, um, Fabian Delph at, at yeah, City. Good show. The, the fact that he came at left back last year and uh, played a you know obviously a very good footballer and somebody that we'd forgotten about how good he was because of all the injuries that he'd had in the past. But also watching him on the all or nothing, just the, the role that he takes in the dressing room. And that, of course, um, Vincent Company kind of takes, he, it, it feels like he plays the role of the captain. And he's sort of, sorry, statesman-like, where Fabian Delph is sort of like, he's the gritty part of it. And the one where the emotion comes out and, and sort of, and he really, you know, he really feels that, uh, you know, if anybody's doing, not doing enough, you know, he really tells them, like, you know, so it's, it's, it was really nice to see the, the role that he plays in the in the dressing room, despite all the the big names in there. Yeah, James Miller, quite similar. Oh yeah, I mean, God, that, as, as David sort of touched on, he's one of those that's been in the underrated category for for fifteen years. We've been saying he's underrated, so maybe he, and Liverpool fans rate him very very highly. But what that guy's doing at this stage of his career is um, is sensational, and it's a testament to mm. what he's put in early in his career, the discipline, the learning, and the lives like a monk and it's good to see him succeed 35 years old and he's putting all the kids to shame in, in pre-season it's like, ridiculous you know, yeah. yeah and play and he'll play anywhere won't he exactly yeah. the great young players you know someone like Milner is a perfect example I know, um, you know Stephen Gerrard when he was at Liverpool used to cite him when he was talking to his under 18 kids about you know this is what a pro looks like um, of the young players coming through obviously we had fantastic success at England level at youth level I suppose the breakout star is Jaden Sancho, isn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 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 the one. We, we you know we know Foden has got it in him as well, but he hasn't quite had the opportunities yet. But Sancho's the one that's, if you're looking over this year, has just gone from you know kid to international class performer because he is. He's, he, if you look at the what he's doing in terms of the European goals and assists table, what he's done at international level already, and this is a teenager living abroad and taking a very bold path and you know Christian Pulisic has now been relegated who was the great thing in European football for a while because of Sancho's performances so come an enormous way in a, in a short space of time and, and 
one of the things I'm most excited about in 2019 is covering England and, and, and seeing what he, what, he can, what he can do for them. Mm. That group was fantastic, wasn't it, that under-17 group? Yeah, brilliant. And just, I mean, looking at the under-17s and 20s, I was just surprised how many, uh, how many, how many have got abroad. Yeah. To, you know, to, to Leon, uh, Brussels, Brussels, Gladbach and... Monaco. Monaco, yeah, exactly. It's, it's great for, for English football, I think. And, but I think uh, with Jane Sancho, at his age, uh, Ronaldo was a show pony. Yeah. Or he was accused of being a show pony, yeah. with no end, end product. Now you've got this kid doing exactly the same thing on the ball with an end product, with assists, mm. with goals as well. So, I mean, it's... Well, he's not peaking too early, but, I mean, if, if that's any comparison to go by, he's got some future out of him, hasn't he? Mm. If we're talking about young players, by the way, Aru Muric, I know if we're, yeah. you know, talking about Man City talent, but he may not get the opportunities to shine over the next year. But that guy, I saw him at Leicester... Um, the other night in, in, in the Carabao Cup and I was absolutely blown away I mean at the age of 20 is it mm. the physique the, he, he was playing half the game in, in the centre circle you know almost as a sweeper booting the ball miles claiming everything brilliant in the penalty shootout and you're just like Man City have done it again yeah. you see much of him yeah a lot of him he's uh, it's unfortunate really because although this the experience in the League Cup it'll, it'll stand him in, in good stead and Especially for Manchester City, you know, he should have been at uh, Nackbreda in in Holland on on loan this season and getting 30, 40 games under his belt. But certainly he's he's got everything and he's got a, a, a real good arrogance about him, real good uh, self confidence. Like I said, he's six mm. foot five, mm. good with the ball at his feet. Yeah. He's a good trainer. Very good. You know, he's he's got a great uh, a great attitude. And it's not like, uh, like I said about his arrogance. He's there's no sense of entitlement there that you know he deserves his chance. He, you know, he, he wants to work hard, and like I said, it, you know, it, it's a shame that he, do, he won't get those 30, 40 games mm. under his belt in, uh, in the Eredivisie. But uh, this, uh, this kind of mm. experience. So he's, he's obviously got the respect of the dressing room because I noticed as they went to the supporters at the end in that Leicester game, mm. um, all the rest of the team stood back and started chanting his name. Yeah. You know, as the fans were doing. So yeah. There is obviously something there, and talent always recognises talent, doesn't it? Well, well, exactly. But I mean, other than uh, you know Angus Gunn being transferred to Southampton and, and Claudio Bravo getting uh, mm. ten million quid, yeah, 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 the team. yeah he, he's he, he's not there, and he's okay. He's getting that experience, but he's he's out of sight, out of mind for a lot of fans. So it's it's great for him that he's been brought to to everyone's attention. Mm. Anyone else coming through? You know, Leicester a club, you know, like yeah. Chilwell. Chilwell's Chilwell's exceeded what I thought he was capable of to be honest I thought he looked could go either way um, in his first sort of season there but he's been he's been excellent and he stepped up for England and Madison's got to be one of the fines because he's this is his first season at the top flight and, and um, he's he's still very young but he, he changed the game the other night when he came on as he does he's that player that just elevates the whole Leicester team just makes him a different proposition I mean, he took a terrible penalty and, you know, mm. tried to start. It wasn't alone in it, was good he? company, yeah. <laughs> it was the worst penalty shootout I've seen in a long time. But he's got, he's, yeah, he's slow, he just got the ability to slow the game down a little bit, make it at his pace, um, inventive with everything he, he does. Whether there's a place for him, for England or, I don't know, top, top teams, just because of the way football's going with the emphasis on flexibility and pressing in the front line, which I think he can do, but it's probably not his best suit. I don't know. It's almost like watching a young Matt Letizia or something, and I think in a different era, Madison would be an absolute superstar, but he'll have a very good career. Mm. 
Let's look at goalkeeper of the year, shall we? Um, you know, the big three, the Gaia and the two Brazilians, you know, with Jordan Pickford maybe you know, a hot fourth. that about right? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is all talk about sort of classes, uh, te forms temporary classes permanent, but it's, um, if you look at David De Gea, yeah, he's still a class keeper, he's still world class um, in the style of goalkeeping that he, uh, that he employs. He's, he's still probably the best up there with Yano Black. But for the effect that he's having on his side, he's not having that effect anymore uh, in the past 12 months and or for his country either. And I think... Alisson, yeah, it's, it's been he's been there exactly what's what they've needed. Okay, there's a couple of mistakes been been thrown in there, but um, they've had no effect on the results or on his confidence either. But I'd have to go with Edison really, simply because he, maybe he hasn't had the the, uh, the effect that other keepers have had by uh, with his hands, but with his feet, he's mm -hmm. uh, he has a massive influence on the on the way that they play and the the change in in sort of. Been susceptible to the press like they were when when Bravo first came into the side uh, sort of two years ago, two and a half years ago. So I, th I think it's um, it's probably Edison, and, and not only because of that. I think that what him and Allison show, rather than anything with talent, anything with, with skill, mm -hmm. is their composure and their mentality, and uh, that spreads throughout the side. Mm. You agree with that? Yeah, it's, it's it's a hard one because we see De Gea's excellence, but you know goalkeeping's evolving and and. It's not just the, the ability to play with the feet, but Dave's mentioned it a couple of times, the, the being part of the, the whole team, being part of the 11, being influencing the whole 11. And that's what we're seeing Edison and, and Alison do. Um, and it's, it's sad, but you watch Peter Cech these days and it's just it's like watching someone playing in black and white. It's just, it's, it's just <laughs> you know, what a great keeper he was in, in his era. But that watching him reminds you how goalkeeping's moved on. And I think De Gea might still be the most talented shot stopper, but... I think that Alison and, and Edison are probably doing more for the whole team. Mm. Honourable mention for Fabianski, maybe. You know, not a lot was expected of him, but he seems to have been, you know, excellent, consistently yeah. excellent. Yeah, he has, and certainly uh, for the last few seasons with, with Swansea as well. Um, but he's, he's made the step up now uh, to, to to West Ham and. I'm glad to see that the the, the side doing well because he, I'm not I'd hate for him to, to go through the rest of his Premier League career being a sort of a firefighter and just keeping scores down, mm. which he was doing in sort of like the game at at, at Anfield. He's making a, he's uh, he saves a main something. He's making a contribution towards uh, winning points. But also Martin Dubravka as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know he's been a big surprise. And every time we talk about underrated players, especially goalkeepers, I always think of those two straight away. Mm. And the the leap that uh, Martin Dubravka has made from sort of a couple of years ago, when he was when he's playing in Denmark for Esbjerg, it's just huge. Don't think anybody ask anybody in Denmark the sum there they wouldn't have saw this coming. But he hasn't shown any real signs that he's going to go back to to that kind of keeper either. So it's a, it's a great sign by Rafa Benitez. Mm. Talking of great signings, who's your signing of the season, Johnny? It's, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, I think Shakiri's having an influence on the on the title race that. For twelve million pounds is pretty good, um, I think. But he's not a main player. You've got to recognise that he's not come in and become a central player. Maybe Torreira, um, which, given the position he's in, is, is one of the hardest ones to sign for. And, and players are costing so much money in central midfield. And I think he was what twenty nine million, something like that. It wasn't like he was a mystery. I mean, he, you know, he was he was performing for Uruguay and in Serie A. But um, 
just looks like a brilliant spot. And, and what he's got that I didn't know he had was was the the, the footballing ability. He knew he was going to be a terrier and, and in that sort of Uruguayan mode, but he, he's a real footballer as well. Mm. Don't know about sign of the season, but the decision for Spurs not to sign anybody. Mm. If they should go on to win the League Cup, qualify for the Champions League again, and maybe progress even further than they have done in the past in the Champions League, that's that's a successful season for Spurs. And regardless, I mean, they, they may bring somebody in, in January, I don't know, but uh, it was a bold decision, really, mm. because I think, you know, they could have quite easily brought in somebody who would bolster the squad and, and come off the bench, but I tend to agree with their the policy because I thought anybody that was coming in needed to be fifty, sixty million pounds to improve this side. But who, who are you going to get that that sort yeah. of player to come in and maybe play a second fiddle as people like Harry Kane? So it's yeah. let's 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 be charitable and say that West Ham have had a patchy record in recruitment. <laughs> um, I've been really impressed with Issa Diop. Yeah, I think yeah, this kid's yeah. going to be an absolute monster. Yeah, yeah. That, that I mean. Yes, and absolutely, probably a better signing even than Felipe Anderson, who's mm. who's working out well for them. But again, you know, similar to central midfielders, that's a position where even unproven players are costing fifty, sixty million. Um, a snip uh, has adjusted the Premier League like he's been playing for ages, and um, is making sense of of of, of West Ham sort of at the back, which seemed like a difficult job. Mm. I suppose we must be cruel. Um, flop of the season. Do we need to look outside Old Trafford because you've got, <laughs> you know, you've got Sanchez, you've got Pogba, you've got Fred. Mm. I mean, I have to go for Sanchez simply because it's it hasn't happened at all. I watched him last season. They weird uh, the defeat at St James's Park, and he was one of the few bright sparks, uh, bright sparks who were. At least he wasn't playing well, but at least he's, you know you could see his effort was there, and he was he was one capable of, of creating something. But I don't know, it just makes you think there's something more to it than, than mm. meets the eye. Whether he's unhappy off the pitch, uh, you know, you know, maybe he's you know his dogs have been unwell or something. Like that. <laughs> it, it, you just don't know. I mean, huh. these things happen, but I think it's uh, he certainly doesn't uh, it, it doesn't look good value for money. It's half a million pounds a week. Mm. What about Pogba? He's a he is a problem, isn't he? Yeah. And he doesn't come out of the whole you know, Mourinho departure looking very good, does he? No, he doesn't. Um, I think last time we spoke about this, I was, uh, I, I, I think there's even more now that he's shown his limitations in the last year. He, he, he's shown... As a player and as a person? As a person, probably more than anything, because it's hard to talk about limitations as a player when he's got that bundle of attributes. But as a person, uh, as a character... Um, I, I think with him, it's, it's hard. I'm trying to analyse him. I don't think it's a lack of effort per se. Um, it might be a lack of maturity, but he doesn't have that thing that enables a, a, a player to, to, to just perform at a great level all the time, no matter what the circumstances are. And, and if you want to be one of the world's great players, that's what you've got to do. And that's what his style does. And it looks to me like he's a fair weather player. And yes, you know, Josie was a big bad wolf and they didn't get on, but. His reaction to all of that has been really disappointing. Um, and it's arguably, if you want to be harsh on Paul Pogba, he won the World Cup, but he, he wasn't the best player or main player for France. I know some of his supporters have tried to say that. He was just a cog in the machine. It, and he wasn't that at Juventus either, he wasn't the best player. Yeah, it, it didn't, 
his, his performance is one where you perceive as a as great Paul Pogba performance. Mm. Like you said, he, he did a job. Yeah. And uh, in, in in many ways, probably he's played within himself. But like you said, as, as part of the, as part of the team, it, it worked. It, it seems ridiculous criticizing somebody who's so talented who's a World Cup winner. And um, but he sees reaction to, to losing the ball sometimes, then. It shows. It does show an immaturity when you hear about stories that like yesterday morning that he was, uh, or the morning that he was, uh, Mourinho was sacked, that he's seen high fiving players yeah. and haven't sort of been pulled aside by Michael Carrick. It's, it is. A, it's a. It's a real sign of maturity, regardless of whether you're happy that the, the manager's gone or not. And especially inside a dressing room, yeah. there will be players who were unhappy that Mourinho had gone because, uh, like uh, Eric Bay, you know, he's he's obviously. Grateful to to Mourinho for bringing the club and and giving him the the, the, the career at Manchester United. You've been around dressing rooms. What will be the immediate challenge facing Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? In that first fifteen minutes he has with the whole squad, he's got to convince them that uh, he knows what's right for them, and. It, because it's so it's so difficult for a caretaker manager to come in and have any kind of authority. Because I get that this uh, this appointment is just something that's it's for it, it's for their heads rather than uh, the bodies or anything tactical. It's to to lighten the mood and mm. and to create more of a an environment where people individuals will play better. But as a as a cohesive unit, they've they've got nothing to to gel them together. There's no sort of future, uh, and, and I know that if things do start going wrong. There's nothing for Solskjaer to... He can't crack the whip. Yeah. You know, and then the fact that he's already been there as a, as a coach before and Pogba's had him as a coach, that's how Pogba will see him. We'll see him as a, a reserve team coach. And I'm sure that Pogba thinks already puts himself, ranks himself uh, above him. If he did that, because if he did that before, if uh, with Mourinho or someone on the same level as, as the manager who's won so much as Mourinho, mm-hmm. then... I don't think it, uh, Solskjaer's got any chance of, uh, you know, of pulling them together should things go wrong. Mm. So, so he has to say what's in it for them. You can't, you can't wield authority. He's got to say to them, I'll make you better or I'll make you enjoy yourself or what? Be simply because, you know, like the, there's been a lot of times when managers have, have had the sack uh, as clubs I've been at and the dressing room has been split. Mm-hmm. Players who have been unhappy, haven't been, the ones who haven't been playing well, the ones who haven't been playing at all, they'll be the happy ones. Mm. They'll be overjoyed, and then they'll probably be the ones the the new manager can sort of maybe trust more, or they'll have them on side for straight away. And the other ones will still there'll still be a little bit of a hangover for them, although they'll want to do well for for the manager and for themselves. But I just think that dressing room, you know, people keep saying that teams should be getting more, they should be getting more out of team. Mm. Yes, individually, but as a team, you can't see them gelling together at all. Mm. How do you see? The whole thing panning out in terms of like six months' time. Will we have Pochettino in charge, do you think? And if so, will we see, you know, there's a lot of talk about if that happens, Eddie Howe would end up at, White, at the new White Hart Lane. Um, how do you see it all panning out? Well, for Man United, this is it. You know, this is, for Ed Woodward's Man United, this is it. This is the time where I think it stands or falls, if it hasn't fallen too far already. Um, what Solskjaer does is is provides, um, I don't know, sticking plaster, stability, whatever you want to call it. But it, it it just pauses time to slightly for them. But the work has to be now 
Um, I think I, this is great logic in Pochettino as an appointment. Um, I mean, we talked about earlier, no, nobody's got Alex Ferguson's package. So you've got to try and cherry pick the bits that you think are most appropriate at this time. But it's going to be enormously, enormously difficult to get him. And, and that process has to work for, for Woodward. And if it doesn't work, it's, I don't know, it, it, I, I wouldn't be optimistic given the past record of, his past record of transfers and appointments that he'll, he'll come up with a decent plan B. I have to say that, it might sound harsh, but there's been a lot of knee-jerk sort of shallow bits of recruitment, I think, at United over the last four or five years. So if he doesn't get Poch, it's really difficult. And Solskjaer just has to lighten the mood, but things can't fall further. And that's the job you're talking about, Dave, isn't it? Things can't fall any further for United. That's the, that's the main priority. It's got, it's got to be a happier place. It's got to play good football and not implode any further. Yeah, I suppose it's not all doom and gloom at United. Um, you know, the academy was in disarray when, when Sir Alex left. It's building up again. Now, if we're looking at you know, potential breakout stars from you know, nowhere in, in 2019, um, I'd put forward uh, Mason Greenwood, you know, a hat-trick this week. Uh, I've been watching him since he was about 15 over the last couple of years. There's someone, given his head and given the traditions of the football club, could make an impact from nowhere. I mean, we talked about before, that might be the role that Solskjaer plays now. He's the one that mm. perhaps might take a chance and just put him straight in the team. And then it's... Then, I mean, it, will that be detrimental to, to his development by throwing him in a little bit sooner than he's, uh, than he's ready for the sake of some, some goodwill and some good PR and doing the same, like I said, what Van Gaal did with Rashford? Yeah. Do you see anyone else around who could make that you know, sort of left field entrance? Maybe not as quite as under the radar as as as, um, as Mason Greenwood. I mean, the, the signs with Gibbs White mm. very very sort of impressive for England and and, and in his in his in little performances so great far. Great touch on the ball. Isn't it? Great touch. You know, really good athlete. Looks just a consummate modern player. Um, I think there could be a role for Mason Mount at Chelsea after his hiatus at Derby if we're talking about over the next year so you know he, he should be with his talent should be looking to be in the team from, from next season onwards um, but I think the buzz about Graham, Greenwood and, and United have hidden him from, from England they pulled him out of squads and he didn't go to the championship last year the buzz about him is probably the strongest of, of the players who we haven't quite seen in the league yet just going back to the point about Manchester United and bringing young players through like Mason Greenwood as well, I'm surprised. I don't think he would go, but I'm surprised that even Bielsa hasn't been even been ah, mentioned. Interesting. Because if you can't get Guardiola and you can't get Pochettino, who who do you get? Well, who, who's close to that? You get the, the man. Too much of a loose cannon, maybe. Yeah, for, I mean, the of, course, of course. Yeah, of, of course. That they, I mean, he hasn't. Yeah, <laughs> he, he hasn't really sort of being given a club like Manchester United to, to hold the reins of. But, I mean, look at him now. I mean, he's the top of the championship now. He, he's so reluctant to bring any players in. He's give, given players the head from uh, who was 17, 18 years old. There was eight players under 23 in that squad uh, at the weekend. I mean, it's... It, I, mean, I, I think Leeds is perfect for him. 
because Leeds is still an old-fashioned club. It's still, it feels like a real club, it's not a business entity. It's also a what-if club. What if someone got hold of this? Yeah, club? exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and he seems to be that, that the person who's doing it at the moment. But I just think, strange it doesn't even be mentioned, though. Yeah. Well, let's tie all this together, then. Um, new Year wish. If you had one wish for yourself or for football in general in the new year, what would it be? Well, you mentioned Raheem Sterling earlier on, uh, the way that you know racist incidents and fan disorder, with the bottle being thrown at Delhi Alley this week as well, has reared its ugly head again. I hope that that, that was a very sort of temporary throwback. And with Sterling and 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 racism, he's tried to open the discussion to widen it into how we are as an industry, media industry, how we are as a game in terms of institutional racism. I hope that that, that conversation takes place intelligently because there's already been, for me, attempts to suppress it. And I, I hope, you know, let's try and think about this seriously and intelligently. If, if a 23-year-old footballer has to show us how to think, then so be it. But I, I, think, I think we deserve to, I think the, he deserves, the game deserves that that is a fundamental, proper discussion. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think I would ban the words "but" and "what about" from mm -hmm. those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and then make sure that we're not going to. This isn't going to be read in sort of a month's time or six months time, a year's time. So we need to make sure that every week, every month, they're still having the conversation about. It. Well, this is going to make three of us. My wish is for Raheem Sterling to be voted Footballer of the Year sometime in May. <laughs> That'd shut him up, hopefully. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast and have a great Christmas. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.